0: Six thirty, Chad afternoons with Jalen Nye weekdays at two on Six Thirty, Chad. It was thirty-two years ago that fourteen young women were murdered and thirteen others were injured at a cool Polytechnique in Montreal. Across the country, people are pausing to remember the victims and speaking out on the work that still needs to be done to deal with gender-based violence in this country was reading a, a new report that was in the Canadian Medical Association uh, journal and it shows that in Canada a woman is murdered every 2.5 days ranging from 144 to 178 murders each year between 2015 and 2019 this year 2021 those numbers are trending even higher. But as I mentioned, the work continues to try to change all of this. Dr. Stephanie Montesanti is a professor in the School of Public Health at the University of Alberta. She joins us this afternoon. Welcome to the show. Hi. Good afternoon. Where's your thank head? You for having me. Yeah. Thank you for joining us uh, on this day. Where's your head at when you reflect on what happened 32 years ago, and when we talk about those numbers, um, the, the number of women being murdered in this country every year.
1: Yeah, it's, well, it's an important day for reflection, but um, as it's the National Day of Reflection, on violence against women is also a day of action. Uh, And so we need to remember that, that we need to hold our institutions and systems um, accountable to uh, act on ending uh, gender-based violence. And so that was a a horrific um, event that had happened. And unfortunately, we continue to see um, impacts around gender-based violence uh, continue to today. And so it really raises a lot of questions around some of the historical and contemporary challenges um relating to gender-based violence in this
0: country like what Uh, can you expand on that for me
1: yeah well just to put things into perspective the canadian femicide observatory for justice and accountability had reported 92 women and girls were killed in the first half of 2021 Mm. okay so during the pandemic mostly by men and that is 14 more than in the first half of 2020. And 32 more in the first half of 2019. So, as that suggests, I mean, this continues to be be a problem. And with the pandemic, the increased economic and social stresses that were brought on by COVID confinement to the home, shifting parenting responsibilities, isolation from family and friends, the anxiety associated with economic uncertainty is really affecting the well-being of individuals and families, and I think
0: puts them at greater risk around. Um, um, gender-based violence. And Dr. Montesanti, you you uh, you brought up. Uh, something that I was going to ask you about specifically, as you said, today is a day of national remembrance and action on on violence against women. So we remember, we pause to remember uh, that day and, uh, and read those names and see the pictures of those victims. But when it comes to action, 32 years later, obviously, when we're seeing these numbers, we're not at a place where we need to be. Why is that happening? Is it, and I and I've heard a number of different uh, reasons today. A lot of it, kind of turning around and going back to the cost of of, mm-hmm. of 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 dealing with this. And I guess the other part of my question then would be, you know, what would be on the top of the list? What needs to be done, and how do we do it?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, there's increasing recognition that health policies and systems, so the very institution that sets policies and, and are in positions to advance equity um tend to fail in addressing the needs of both men and women. And our as I'm a health policy systems researcher, so that's the my lens is really looking at how the health systems must yeah. address gender equity. Um, so really looking at um you know what gender equity objectives look like and how those uh gender equity principles objectives are factored into the development of of policies in order to reduce, you know, uh inequities or health gaps between men and women you um, how do we properly um, in, invest in uh, the anti-violence sector, which uh, you know I term as really the, the network systems, agencies, organizations committed to ending uh, gender-based violence and providing a range of services and supports to those experiencing or at risk of violence and abuse. And so how do we, we invest in the sector that's already um, under-resourced? Uh, mm-hmm. and, and we saw that during the pandemic where um, many organizations were were forced to find innovative uh, and new ways of reaching out to their clients to ensure that they have the needed supports and resources available to them as you know they were you know isolated, uh, especially during you know the early uh, months of the pandemic when things shut down. And you know this is a, a sector that already grapples with a lot of mm-hmm. funding and equities um, and I think there, there need that connection with um, better setting better policies and ensuring that um, these organizations have the necessary resources to to work with their clients and ensure that those uh, services and supports are available
0: you've been working closely with uh, a lot of these organizations and one of the things that um, that you had been working on is you were one of the researchers behind a guidebook that was made in collaboration with a a provincial collective um, working with all of these groups across the province to to help um, provide guidance on virtual delivery of domestic and sexual violence intervention can you can you get into that a little bit more um, on on why that was needed and and what it's hoping um, to do with the shift to virtual delivery during the pandemic raised important concerns for service
1: providers uh, who deliver mm-hmm. services supports programs for individuals experiencing violence and abuse and you know one of the concerns was really regarding the appropriateness and acceptability of delivering uh, what we refer to as trauma focused counseling or safety planning and other types of services remotely um, you know recognizing that the home is not always the safest place yeah. for some individuals individuals yep. to connect with a, a mental health counselor or support worker. And that's especially for individuals who are experiencing violence and, and you know the perpetrator, their, the abuser is in the home. Um, where we saw some um, opportunities for accessing virtual remote-based delivery of services were among survivors and actually that's where a lot of the evidence demonstrates that what we know about the effectiveness as well as appropriateness of virtual or remote delivery of domestic or sexual violence services has been tested with survivors so those who've already left that violent or abusive um, uh, relationship right so they're, mm-hmm. they're they're removed and so the home might might you know be a safer a safer place although it <laughs> at the same time during the pandemic, these are individuals who are closed off from their social network when when stricter public health uh, measures have been put in place. So the handbook really provided guidance to a sector that had very little support and experience in virtual delivery mm-hmm. um, so I mean another sector where we had been testing and innovating in virtual delivery is the health sector but the anti-violence sector in Alberta had very little experience and so they were really adapting on the fly.
0: And you know what Stephanie you talk about um, you know when it comes to the the virtual side of this and in the safety aspect of it because that was the first thing that, that popped into into my mind you know how, how do you how do you deal with that but I'm also wondering you know when 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 someone is um getting the counseling and is and is finally you know ha- has has reached out and is saying okay i'm i i need this help and is turning to someone i i would have to think that that connect really needs to be there with uh, the person on the other end and that can be very very difficult over a computer screen you know i, oh, I think that, that would be very challenging
1: absolutely and that's one of the things we found in our work was that loss of human connection yeah. when delivering those services virtually and that was certainly expressed by providers who were uh, concerned and, and a bit you know reluctant to to reaching out to their clients and providing them that care and support in that virtual environment it was because of that loss of human connection the other issue too is that for some clients they you know virtual delivery was a bit more challenging because of you know what we know about that di- that concept of the digital divide, where some yep. individuals don't have access to a tablet or you know uh, a, a device to connect virtually with a, a counselor or support worker, and we do see digital exclusion in particular in rural and remote uh, communities. Um, and so it's important to understand you know the factors that may affect uh, some uh, population groups in particular to access virtual care um and whether you know that virtual care is culturally acceptable and appropriate
0: as well yeah fascinating stuff so many so many layers to all of this uh, dr montesanti thanks so we'll leave it there this afternoon thanks for making the time for us i appreciate it Thank you for having me yeah take Take care care now dr stephanie montesanti joining me this afternoon she's a professor in the school of public health the university of alberta has been working uh, in this field when it comes to uh to, to policy and certainly with the different organizations who are doing some amazing and and much needed and unfortunately very difficult obviously um you know work uh in alberta we know that domestic violence rates in the province well, actually across the country, increased by 30% at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. In Alberta, the first three and four months of the pandemic saw a 57% increase in calls to domestic and sexual assault hotlines. So, um, so many challenges in so many ways over the past 20 months.